You're tuning in to Visible with Isa Media Inc. My name is Isabella Sanchez Castaneda, and I believe that your impact deserves to be shared. So each week, I'll be bringing you strategies to help you do just that. So let's get visible. In today's episode, I am auditing Zakia Hutton's podcast, Easeful Living. We are discussing everything from how to choose topics, how to decide on a title that attracts your ideal client, and how to really make the decision on whether you want a passion project podcast or something that markets your business. You'll hear all of it throughout the episode. And for a little context, let me introduce you to Zakia a bit more. She is a former online business manager and ops agency owner who's now a launch strategist and faith-based coach. She equips online women leaders with the strategic, somatic, and spiritual tools they need to bring their life, values, and business into alignment so they can execute and scale sustainably. She's been called a unicorn by her clients for her ability to identify business strategies that honor their revenue goals, capacity, and their nervous system. You can reach Zakia on Instagram at Zakia Houghton or her website at ZakiaHoughton.com. And all of that will be in the show notes for you. I really want to make sure you can connect with her and also get to know how her podcast will eventually help her turn listeners into buyers for her launch strategy. So tune in, let me know what you think. And thanks for being here. We are doing an audit for your show. And this is going to just start off as a conversation. This is going to be very much focused on how you want to navigate your show to serve you, to serve other people so that they eventually feel ready to buy from you. And so I wanted to start with what was your original intention for the Easeful Living podcast? Yeah. So when I first started the podcast, I wanted it to feel very conversational and I wanted it to feel like, you know, the same conversations that I have with my clients or I even have during connection calls or even doing strategy sessions, that I could have those conversations with prospective clients through my podcast. And I really wanted to just like introduce the types of things that I talk about with my clients to my podcast audience. Um, and then hopefully, you know, intrigue them enough that they would want to learn more about my offers. So tell me, you got to five episodes. So you put yourself out there, you started it, which often is the hardest thing for most people is just starting. But what caused you to say, like, I'm going to step back after the fifth episode? Yeah. So what caused me to step back is I think I got in my head. I I think like there are a couple of things that happened. So on one end, I feel like I got in my head around the topics and what to title them, what to talk about. I started feeling like the podcast was my audio journal. And on one end, that was cool. But then on the other end, I'm like, all right, these shower thoughts are not converting. And so I was in this constant struggle between bringing my innermost thoughts forward, but also still making sure that it was optimized for conversions. And so that battle of the mind was just really frustrating. And then I ended up just stopping altogether because I couldn't figure it out on my own. Mm. I also find it so interesting that 
the last episode that you did was about integrating the different parts of you and how you were battling those different parts when it came to your podcast. And I don't think that you're alone in any way in coming to that crossroads and being like, wait, what's going on here? So before we we dive further into that, that is really helpful context for me to know kind of where you were taking things. So before you even said it in your first episode, I recognized when you said, oh, like this is kind of be kind of like voice notes to your friend. I immediately thought of Chimdi, who is such an incredible creator and has her podcast voice notes from a friend. And I can see how that structure really lends itself to this intimate connection, but also lends itself to tangents and windiness and maybe losing your way a little bit the way that we do with voice notes. So I'm curious, what initially attracted you to that voice note style? Yeah. So I love that you brought up Chimdi. She's actually a good friend of mine. And I was inspired by her podcast because it just, it felt intimate. Her and I often have conversations offline and the things that she shared in that podcast felt like our conversations offline. And I was like, oh my God, I want to do my own version of this for my own clients. Um, And so I was really attracted to this imperfect, unedited, I can record this from my bed (laughs) style of podcast. And what I noticed was that, you know, many of the people in my audience were also um, resonating with that style of podcast. They love that it was just unfiltered. It was raw. It wasn't, you know, all buttoned up. And I thought that was cool. I was just like, you know what? This is exactly the way I want to do it. I didn't want it to become this huge production, even though a part of me secretly did, but I didn't have, I didn't have all of the resources at play or in place to produce a podcast like that just yet. So this was a really easy way for me to like, just do it imperfectly. And that's something that I am really, it's one of my values when it comes to the way that I teach. I'm really big on taking imperfect action and just like leading with inspired action and doing the thing that you felt called to do without questioning it, because I know that it's going, it's always going to evolve as you do it. And so that was really the whole idea behind just starting. It was to get out of, um, get out of the mud with it, like get out of the the thinking and the ideating and get into the the doing and the being. So that's really what it was. Um, but then, and I even had a guest on, I remember having one of my first guests on and it was actually a mentor, someone that I had worked with. And that was a lovely, lovely conversation. And hilariously enough, that episode ended up attracting her a client. <laughs> Mm. And so I was like, okay, this is really interesting. My podcast is now attracting clients to other people, (laughs) but it's actually not converting for me. And so I think the not having conversions yet from the podcast, I think that that started to play with my mindset a little bit. So we're going to go into that. I want a little more context on you were kind of saying you you didn't really want it to be this big production, but you did. So what was coming up for you when you thought, I don't want this to be a big production? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I would have loved for it to be 
a podcast where there was video involved and the videos were a bit more, you know, a bit of a cleaner look. And um, it could be used on multi-channels and the content could be repurposed on multiple platforms. Like, I love the idea of that because, you know, when I think about the types of clients that I work with and the strategies that I give them, these are the types of strategies that I give them when it comes to content creation. It's like making sure you're creating it in a way that can live on multiple platforms, right? And so I wanted that for myself, but I also recognized that there were certain resources that were not in place for me to produce a show like that just yet. And so I didn't want the not having all the resources in play to prevent me from bringing the conversations forward, because ultimately that's what mattered most were the conversations, not necessarily the quality of the show's experience, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That is so interesting. And I appreciate you giving me that context because I think, and for everyone listening on the other side of this, going into these audits, going into any sort of conversation around podcasts, really doing it from a place of context and from a place of doing it in a way that actually still feels true to your brand. I don't believe in giving you a podcast strategy that you just follow and go one, two, three, four, five. And then every pot, like my worst fear is every podcast that uh, works with me coming out the same because I don't think that that's what we're here to do. So I appreciate you giving me that context. And I think it's so interesting that you mentioned you didn't, you knew you kind of wanted to get there, but you didn't want to get caught in perfectionism. You knew you wanted to share messages both about your personal journey and about how you help people. And finding that intersection was very difficult. And then getting to the point, I'm not surprised that you got to the point where it just felt too big, too broad, and like there wasn't enough return because one, that is something that happened to me with my podcast. Originally, I think it happens to a ton of people. And because I could tell in those first five episodes, and not that any of them were were bad. None of them were bad. I think you were sharing such beautiful things, especially the one that I already referenced about integrating all of your parts. But I could hear that you were having the struggle between, I want to share my experience with with integrating different parts. And I want to share my experience with this coaching program that I'm in. And I'm also trying to tell you that I can do it for you. And I'm trying to tell you that it was beautiful. And I'm trying to tell you what to do. But I'm also not trying to tell you what to do because I believe in your inner wisdom. <laughs> and and like I've I've been there, right? And I found it so interesting that in your uh, introduction too, you were really putting an emphasis on, we're doing this in the way that is aligned with our values. And we're doing this in a way that is different. And you could just feel, I could feel that battle for you in those different episodes. And so that's okay. That's fine. Again, I want you to know that it's normal. And I want anyone listening to know that it's normal to get caught there, um, especially where we are right now in online business, where we are personal brands, but we are also service providers and we are humans going through an experience. And we're trying to bring together so many different pieces of ourselves that we don't know where to go. So if it's okay with you, can I give you some suggestions on 
how you can, if you decide to pick it back up, potentially do it in a way that does convert, but doesn't sacrifice your personality. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. So I think, uh, so we're going to go in two different routes. I have some notes. You could either just go the route of separating your podcast, keeping the the easeful living as a personal journey podcast where you do get to send voice notes to your friends and you do get to riff and talk about your spirituality, your faith, the way that you bring that into business and just play and give yourself a space to play without the pressure of selling without the pressure of, I need to come off as the expert and authority in this space and then have another podcast where you do a little bit more structure and you provide the solutions and the conversations that are relevant to your launching clients. Because primarily right now you're selling your launch strategy, right? That's right. Yeah. Launch strategy and launch coaching. Yes. So you could give yourself that permission of separating the two. And the, the words that I always use is have your passion project podcast on one side and then have your marketing vehicle on the other and know which one is which. Know how you can create that separation because when we're trying to make a, po- a passion project podcast, both satisfy our desire of like putting out art into the world and convert, it's it's too much. It's no matter h- how big of a team you have behind you, it's too muddy. And I think it's also too muddy for us to create because that flowy, just like, I want to go on a tangent. I want to have all these conversations side of us is in too much competition with the structured, like I'm an authority in this area. So that would be my first suggestion. If you choose not to have two, which could be a lot, I think that there is a way that you can keep the voice note style uh, with just a bit more structure and lean more heavily into making it a marketing vehicle that still integrates the pieces of you that are that want to have those bigger conversations, those conversations around, well, what does part integration have to do with business? What mm-hmm. does the eclipse have to do with business? What does Mercury retrograde have to do with business? And they they have tons to do with business. They have plenty to do with business. It may just mean that now you have to add, you still have to outline. Like we're not going to get away from outlining if you are trying to make it a marketing vehicle. I don't know why this is coming up for me, but I'm like, you kind of have to make it masculine. Mm. And you have to, and I actually get that resistance and a lot of the my clients don't necessarily use it in, in this term, but I know that this is a way that you would kind of understand it is the outlines to them feel rigid, feel structured, feel masculine, feel with what they may associate as like the dude bro marketing because it it feels like we can't flow into the ether with our episode. And that's a resistance that I had. I was like, if you if I make an outline, it's going to stifle my creativity. But instead, if we see it as like a healthy, healthy structure that actually allows our creativity to shine because it's not stressed out, it's not trying to to fight like it's not doing it out of rebellion. Instead, it's doing like, okay, because I have this structure here, I can go in this different direction and actually just flow. Mm-hmm. How does that land for you just in those first couple things? No, I love that. It's so funny because like most of a lot of the clients that I get are feminine flowy. And so I am bringing the structure <laughs> for them. And then I find that for myself, I'm, I, 
I often need that person also for myself to like reel me in. And so, no, it resonates from, it resonates with me. And I do, I do have a healthy relationship with structure and I appreciate outlines and I appreciate having that sort of container for what's being birthed. So I like that. I think that I could do well with having a more structured, focused podcast where I can talk about a variety of different subjects that I would cover in my offers as well. Yeah. And I'm curious, before I go deeper into that, I'm curious if outlining or the idea of outlining brings up any sort of like perfectionism for you. Uh, I think... For episode, like per episode, it does. Like, because then what happens is my brain goes into this thought process of like, well, like how many seasons does my episode need? And then does each season need to be focused on a certain theme? And then if I'm only focusing on one theme in this season, when do I get to release the other season? And then it's like, I, I feel like sometimes I can get caught up in the hamster wheel of structure. And then I'm like, so then how does that work in real time? <laughs> mm-hmm. When it comes to like podcast seasons and then breaking those seasons up into episodes and then determining what to talk about in each season. Mm, that is such a good question. I don't want you to necessarily look at your episodes as single episodes or as seasons. And I know that's like, let me let me explain. You're like, what? <laughs> so- So basically, I don't want you to necessarily get fixated on making one episode perfect or on how it's going to fit into a larger season. So a season can be as simple as I want to record 12 episodes and then I want to take a one month break. And that is your season. It can be as flowy as that. It can just be, I know how many episodes I'm going to do. If you are doing something where potentially you're launching at the end of a quarter or you are you know that you only sell a specific service at a specific time of the year then you can make your season say your season for the beginning of 2024 is only about the offer that you sell during that season then you can be more focused and maybe it's about um Maybe you only talk to coaches who launch for the first time in that season. And then I know that most of your offers are for more seasoned entrepreneurs who are launching and and refining. So then the next season of 2024 is actually about like seasoned entrepreneurs and what they need to know. You make that choice of how you want to theme it. I have a client who's a mental health professional who wants to talk about therapy, but therapy is like the biggest topic in the entire world. And so one season is going to be about therapy and the individual. And the next one can be about therapy and couples and therapy and families can be another one. And that is only to help her organize her brain and give herself kind of like a specific sandbox to play in instead of the whole beach. But if you are constantly talking about something and you know that you already have a good grasp on how to narrow it down, then you can go to that initial season structure that I was saying where it's just telling your brain, all we have to plan for is 12 episodes and then we get to take a break. With that in mind, what 
comes up for you thinking of seasons in that way? Yeah, what comes up for me thinking about seasons in that way is like, okay, so when I think about my concepts and I think about like, if everything that I'm talking about under the umbrella of launching falls into the categories of systems, strategy, um, and, and somatics, because this is where I get into like nervous system support and we get to talk about like capacity and all those things. Um, and like neuroscience and, you know, spirituality, it's like all of that encompasses and is included in that like somatic piece. Do I do, are you saying like one season can be just on like an aspect of systems and then another season can be on like an aspect of strategy and another one can be on like an aspect of somatics and then somewhere fused into those episodes within the seasons, I can talk about all three. Mm. I think if you have the clarity that you are always talking system strategy and somatics, I would not limit yourself to say, to say, oh, this season is only about systems and this season is only about strategy. This season is only about somatics. I think for you, your seasons would more look like how can we create episodes that integrate all three in a very specific way all the time rather than separating out the three because you are using them simultaneously, always. Mm -hmm. You can't, in your approach, you cannot build a system that does not take into consideration someone's somatics. Right. And so explaining that rather than trying to break it apart. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Because I mean, those are all integral parts. Like when I think about my episodes, I would want them to feel comprehensive. You know, it's like these are all of the elements that are going to support you and being successful in a way that like feels nourishing too. you know. Mm. So, yeah, that feels good. And so I think thinking about it that way, knowing like, OK, these are the concepts as long as I'm outlining according to the concepts with the offer and the audience in mind, then we get to have a little bit more fun with the topics and the angles that we approach the episodes from. Yes. And so with that, that brings me to a couple of things I wanted to point out in your episode. So one, you already naturally do what I call orienting statements, where you very naturally will say, let me recap what I just said. Let me summarize the first part of this episode before I bring you to the next one. You do a great job of including, let me define this for you before we keep going. And I think that is already such an amazing foundation to start from because you are just letting people kind of uh, go on the journey with you without talking over them or making them also feel like you think that they don't know anything. Um, you balance that really well. I would love, and I think this would work out well with an outline, is if you did an orienting statement at the very beginning of your episode and you said, I'm going to cover today one, two, and three related to systems or related to strategy and somatics and how, however you combine it. And then continue what you already do in, in orienting them that way. And then what I call focusing it on one key question is making sure that your episode doesn't get muddy. So I keep going back to the episode about the parts integration just because it's the one I listened to most recently. And so you did a great job of first defining shame and judgment. 
And then you did a, a brief explanation about the program that you're in for certification or that you were in at the time for certifying um, to guide people through that. Then you shared that story and then you went into um, how people could bring that in. And while each of the individual parts was really great and took you on a journey, and I love that you included anecdotes, I love that you included um, really actionable steps for the person after, that could have been broken up into multiple episodes. And it could have been one episode about this program that you're in, that you're getting a certification in or that you were, and how that is changing the way that you interact with clients and why you joined. Kind of just one episode that contains that. Another episode about this is part integration. This is an experience I had with it. And this is how I would recommend you play with it before you feel ready enough to work with me. And then a different episode about shame and judgment, where each idea that you have and each question that you're answering for the person has the room to be fully answered. We know that everyone's attention span is that of a goldfish right now. And so any sort of confusion for people is overwhelming. And we want them to make sure they have time to sit with each of these really rich thoughts by breaking it up. And that also just like makes it so much easier for you to keep making episodes because you just made three episodes out of one. I love that. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I think that's where your power of having outline comes in, right? Because it's like, but like in the way that you talk about outlining, because it's like I could have an outline all day long, but then my outline could lead me to an episode that's like 45 minutes long <laughs> where I don't need to have an episode that long to for the message to have depth and for it to land. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like I I love the idea of keeping the epi- episodes short, but deep, you know, short, but impactful, short, but with depth. And then they walk away feeling like, oh, that was a new thought or, oh, that was a perspective shift or, oh, I really resonate with, you know, her thought around that. I never thought about it that way. I want to consider this. I want to try this. And now that I know a little bit better about her, this is actually something that I didn't even realize I needed in the way that I needed it. But now I know this is exactly what I need next. Yes, exactly. And I and the key there is it does not actually matter if each of the three episodes I broke down for you were 45 minutes. If you can make them 45 minutes but still focused on that one thing, that's fine. I find that most of us don't want to do that because we start breaking off into tangents, but it's not so much about giving yourself a time limit. It's more about giving yourself a focus. And mm. what you were mentioning is – People will also feel like, oh, because she explained it in this exact way, I now feel ready to work with her, is maybe they would have resonated with just an episode about shame and judgment, but they are not in their somatics journey enough to even have the like open-mindedness for the parts integration. And so they weren't really able to 
break the two apart. And Mm -hmm. so instead, if they're in two different episodes, they can take each piece as they are ready. Because um, as one of my recent episodes came out, I I was mentioning people listen how they want to listen. People aren't going to listen to episode one, then two, then three, then four. They're going to listen to the one that sparks their interest right away. That really will help with those topics, which actually brings me to your titling. So something you mentioned when we first started talking was, Aside from thinking of the topics, you also got a little bit in your head about how to title them. When you stick to one key question, the title is really easy because instead of trying to think, how am I going to group together these three related but not exactly similar thoughts, you can just say, I know from my outline that the question I answered was, how does, I'm, I'm using a completely different example now, but let's say the key question that you're answering is, how does somatics play into my launch? Now that's the title of your, of your episode. There's no question about it. We right. can, we can tweak it. We can refine it. We can make it sexy for people to click on, but you started with the one key question. You answered the one key question. That's the title. You know how to describe it. Now, when someone asks you on Instagram or wherever you choose to market, what is your episode about? You know the one key question and it it simplifies everything and takes away that, that guessing game. So with the outlines, when sticking to one key question, that will naturally fix your titles. I love that. You said something that was really profound for me when you talked about titling from the perspective of answering a question. I've never actually thought about it that way because I was approaching the episodes from let's have a conversation about five different things, right? Versus let's talk about this one question that I that I keep getting and I think my answer is going to really support you, right? Mm -hmm. And then it kind of like laser, it focuses my brain on one topic and one focal point. Even if I go on tangents, it's still around the answer to that one question. Yes. (laughs) Which already is a huge perspective shift. I know it sounds so simple and I'm sure everyone listening is probably like, yeah, that makes a whole lot more sense. Cause I think, I know I'm not the only one who does this. Like we can think about all of the different things that we want to talk about and then bundle all of that into one episode rather than spreading that out and letting, you know, all of those different thoughts become multiple episodes that answer one question. Yes. And doing it from a place of, I'm going to answer this question in the way that only I can. Mm-hmm. Most people... <laughs> know that I hate the question, what microphone do I use? And so, because it's a Googleable question. Right. And it's it's just something that I'm just like, stop it. Right. So for example, for your audience, they can Google systems I need in my first year of business, but they right. can't necessarily Google how somatics play into your systems. Or maybe they wouldn't even think to Google that, but that is a question that they're having with potentially different words. And so also allowing your question to be focused, but expansive. Because so many times when I say follow one key question, people misinterpret that as I'm going to take my FAQs page on my sales page and just record it and it's going to be boring and no one's going to want to listen to it. When instead, it's actually you give them the question you want them to ask you, you answer it the way only you can. And then that leads them to deeper questions that they can then ask you on a sales call. I love that. Yeah, I absolutely love that. 
it's like, I love the reframe of answering the question that only you can answer because it's like, yeah, even when we think about systems, it's like, how do all of these other factors and elements that you're probably not thinking about determine and influence how you create systems in your business, right? How does that determine what tools you select? How does that determine you know, the type of team members you hire? How does that determine all of these different things? These are these are answers that you can't find on Google. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. And a spinoff of that is what are the questions that they're asking on Google that no matter how many blogs they read, they'll never get the full answer because they haven't heard it from you yet. And that makes me think of our previous conversation about capacity. Um, for the listeners, we were talking about um, Zakia's philosophy on capacity and how it's more than just time. And so you know that your ideal client is Googling right now, increasing capacity in my business. And Google is giving them hire someone new. Google is giving them get a VA and maybe unethical answers like get a VA from the Philippines and pay them $3. Like they're getting questions about maybe somebody's introducing the idea of mental capacity to them. But no one, when they Google increase my capacity is saying, well, there's different types of capacity and I know how to work with all of them. Not only because I'm an awesome strategist and I've been the VA who has increased other people's capacities, but also because I take into consideration your spiritual capacity and your physical capacity, et cetera, et cetera. So thinking of those questions as what are the ones that only you can answer? What are the questions they're asking that you have a fuller answer to? I don't want to necessarily say better, but a fuller, more robust answer. And again, that could be answered in a five-minute episode or 45-minute. doesn't really matter as long as it's focused in. Yeah, that's so good. That That's huge right there. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yes, I know. Okay. So we've, we've touched on a lot on topics. Um, I wanted to also talk about um, revisiting your title and your cover art. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I that because yeah. y'all are probably going to laugh when you hear this, but when Issa first saw my podcast cover, she was like, this is giving retirement into Loom vibes. <laughs> Listen, and that was before the audit, before I barely knew you. Okay. So it is, and, and so it is giving retirement into Loom respectfully, but I, I see where you were coming from, especially with, with how you explained to me how you came to the conclusion of this podcast. You wanted to give this energy of ease and flow and different than what we see online of hustle and boss babe and go, 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 go. And I, I see what you did there, but we can do it better. We can do it better. And then I also think this is not just for you, but for anyone listening, when choosing a podcast title, do a quick search of who else is using similar titles and what is happening of, with the word easeful and the word ease or living, um, what is happening with the like palm tree style ones and do you want to be in there? And so with the easeful living, I'm actually going to look it up right now just so I can give you in the moment answers. So I'm seeing, I'm on Spotify for people's curiosities. Real time audit, y'all. <laughs> yes. But I'm giving, and like, I see one that comes up is the easeful entrepreneur. This person needs an audit. We're going to stop that there. <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of like, it's not okay. What I'm seeing is it's not standing out to me. 
as why I should click on your podcast versus a lot of these other shows that are talking about easeful life, easeful scaling, easeful business. Because unfortunately, ease has been turned into another marketing word where we just go, it's so easy to make a million dollars. It's so easy to da da da. And what I then heard in your intro, which we'll also uh, touch on in a second, what I heard in your intro was more the values piece is really important to you. And obviously, in our previous conversation, that came up. And it's not about ease for the sake of ease. Because again, kind of like what I talked about with increasing capacity, if I Google how to make my business easier, Google is going to give me back the answer of, well, outsource everything. It's going to give me read the four-hour work week and exploit other workers. That's not what you're implying. And I'm not saying that that's what's coming off from the title either. But I just want us to complicate a little bit how we choose our titles and what we may be unintentionally implying with our titles. And so what I had mentioned before and what now our listeners might hear is opting for a title that touches on the values that you have in your business of integrity, of congruency, of scaling with your heart intact rather than scaling at all costs. And Mm -hmm. if you can do that, then you're immediately calling in not only the person who wants it easy, but somebody who wants it right, who wants it virtuous, who wants it in a way that they can sleep at night and be like, I'm a good person. Good night. So all of those lofty things to say, I think we can come up with a better title um, for it. Yeah. I brain dumped a few because I was like, all right, I really want to land on this. (laughs) And I was like, I'm curious to hear Issa's thoughts on these titles. And so I did a little research. Mine, keep in mind, everyone listening, y'all, Issa is really good at this. Like she's so great at redirecting your thoughts around how you're thinking about your podcast. Because some of these titles that I wrote down, I would have never thought to even have on a brain dump for mm. a podcast name. But And I know this sounds so simple and it's like, well, duh, but the podcast name is really for your audience and for your idol client, not you. And so as simple as that sounds, I totally miss that. (laughs) And that's okay. And so I actually want to, um, I very much appreciate you saying that. And I want to, before you give us that brain, brain dump, tell me how you came up with the easeful living to begin with. Yeah, because like when I thought about the podcast name initially, I was thinking about my life. (laughs) I was literally thinking about how I went from having this hustle-focused life where it was all about scaling at any cost. It was all about getting as many clients as I could. It was all about like revenues, all about all of these, you know, very hustle-oriented ways of being. And there was no ease in any of that. And my life was like full on burnout. (laughs) It was just like full on unfulfillment. While I loved what I was doing, my life did not reflect my business. Well, actually it did. And that was the issue. My life did reflect my business. My life was just like a hot mess because I was working all the time. There was no ease. There was no, you know, none of that. It was all fulfillment, no ease. And so when I was, when I was looking at my life and the lifestyle that I had built alongside my business in just like maybe a year and a half, two years times, 
I was like, this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how I got here, like how I made the the transition from hustling to ease. And it was all through a life focused, lifestyle focused approach Mm. with the systems and the strategy and the semantics and all that. But it's like, ultimately, it was so that I could have an easeful life. And so... That's what I wanted to talk about. I was like, let's talk about how we actually do this whole useful living thing. Like, mm-hmm. what is it? How do we get here? How do we sustain it? <laughs> mm. So follow me here. I <laughs> I I love that. I, I appreciate the honesty with it too. So when I hear that, I I hear it from the perspective of that again, that intersection that you were trying to make of a passion project podcast that just like just so happened to talk about your business. And when we start with a, um, I think a lot of us also have that drive to be like, I just want to talk. I need to get this out there. People need to hear me. People need to know that there's another way. People need to know that they don't have to hustle the way that I have. And and you're doing it with a lot of passion, hence Passion Project Podcast. And then you remember, oh, right. I have a business that needs money. So I'm going to just pitch at the end every once in a while. And so obviously I know we're talking about the title, but I think it's just like the energy with which we go into that. And so many folks right now have a podcast that they started because they had something on their heart that they really wanted to share. And then they were like, and just a pitch at the end because I need a couple bucks. And that's fine. And I, again, I did it too. I'm not, I'm never coming from a place of like judgment or shaming. It's more just like if we're not clear about that focus or if we become clear about it and then we keep going. So yes, with those titles, um, it is giving lifestyle blog. It's giving, I wouldn't be surprised if you kept the easeful living. And then what, what I see it as, it's like, oh, the easeful living, Zakia is going to talk about these things and then she's going to sell me a course on how to recreate this, on how to become a digital nomad who scales peacefully. I'm not getting launch strategist that focuses on system strategy and somatics from the easeful living because at the time you put Zakia, the influencer of this lifestyle who has something to say at the forefront of this podcast rather than Zakia, the launch strategist and business owner. And that's okay if you consent to continue doing that. And the moment that you switch it, things have to change. Because as I love to say, at the end of the day, you're an entrepreneur, not an influencer. We have to act in accordance with that. That was a long tangent to get us there. (laughs) No, 1000%. I love that you tied it back to that because that was a huge part of what shifted. It was like, you know, life happened and life shifted. And, you know, it shifted my lifestyle. And then so there was a part of me because I because I teach a lot on congruency, there was a part of me that felt incongruent promoting that lifestyle because my life had shifted. And what was still true for me above all else were my values. What was that was still true. Like I was still honoring my values. I was still putting ease at the forefront. I was still, you know making sure that everything I did was honoring my values, even if from the outside looking in, the appearance of my lifestyle had shifted. And so 
I was noticing that like, this is why it's so important y'all to have an ISA to like talk these things through with and to have someone who is supporting you with staying accountable or as Issa would say, committing to your concepts because I didn't have that when I started my podcast. So then when my lifestyle shifted, I like concepts went out the window. I was just like, concepts, what are they? And (laughs) how do I keep this podcast going when you know, what I was promoting, which was, as you said, the lifestyle shifted, but the values didn't. And had I known that back then, I could have kept that podcast going and still brought in all these other elements, but that was a core piece that was missing. And so I love that you talked about, you know, being the life's the influencer versus being the business owner or the thought leader. You know, it's like at the end of the day, what will never change is my thought leadership. Mm, yes. And and again, I never want you or anyone listening to think that putting the business owner at the forefront rather than the uh, the influencer at the forefront means hiding your story, that it means not sharing personal anecdotes or that it means being quote unquote professional. It You can still tie in all of those things, but when you go back to answering the questions your clients need, you're doing it with intention and with responsibility rather than, as you mentioned at the beginning of this, oh, I'm just treating it like my audio journal. And you can go back, all of all of my episodes are still there. You can go back. I was talking about coaches that wronged me. I was talking about not wanting to wake up and like and work. I was talking about the workout classes I was doing. And all of those anecdotes could have been amazing if I had just taken a second to sit down and be like, how can I tie it back to a business concept that people need to hear about? But I didn't because I was putting the influencer above the business owner. And I bring all of that in to just say so many of us are are in that position. And so I'm excited for where you will be able to take this. So I'm, I'm itching to hear your brain dump because this podcast got to come back. I know. Okay. So let's get into it, y'all. I'm so curious to hear your thoughts on this. So I have like seven. The first one that I came up with was when we were thinking about the the names and the words that I was using, I have one is like the Harmonious CEO podcast. Mm. And then I have a couple of the of them with the CEO language in it. So the Harmonious CEO, CEO is one. I have the Congruent CEO. That's another idea. Um, I have Devoted Leader Podcast. That's another one um, because I talk a lot about devotion and leadership. I have the Embodied Business Podcast. I love that. Uh, And then I have like, or the Embodied Entrepreneur. So we could go either way with that. I like Mm -hmm. the alliteration with the Embodied Entrepreneur, but I also like the alliteration with Congruent CEO since I am wanting to call more seasoned and established business owners in. And then the other one, this is the, the last one. This is a little bit more vague, but I like where it's going. So this one is called the Inner Workings podcast where we talk about the inner workings of like you as a human and then also how that plays out in your in your business so the inner workings of your humanity of like you and then also the inner workings of your business Mm. I love the idea behind inner workings but the fact that you just had to explain it that much to me (laughs) made it tough so I think that that's actually something and this is something that would happen um if we were in a like a strategy session for Issa Good Podcast or Hands Off Production is 
we would write that down and inner workings would become part of your description. It could be something about like uh, whichever one of these that we choose. The Tatara show talks about the inner workings of your business and your humanity as a CEO. So none of this is in vain. You will you will be able to use all of this, but I think it's a little too you just have to explain it a lot. And so I would say that. I'm I'm curious and you already started to bring it up. So um do your ideal clients use the term CEO to describe themselves? Yeah. So the ones that typically hire me for fractional COO work, they for sure use the term CEO or they what they would identify as a CEO. Even if they're not like going around calling themselves that, they do identify as a CEO. Okay. But yeah, but then some of them, you know, many of them are coaches or practitioners or service providers. So they fall into that bucket, which is why I like the idea of like going with the embodied entrepreneur, because then it encompasses all of the people at the varying stages. Whereas CEO can feel, I like what it posits. Like I like, I like that it does, you know, speak to the person who is devoted to growing Mm -hmm. their company. It speaks to their higher self. Yeah. Whereas like embodied entrepreneur, it's like that could be also speaking to like brand new people in business. And that's not really the people that I'm marketing to. I have great conversations with those people. I have lots of advice for them. But in terms of like who gets the most results from my offers and working with me, it's people who are more seasoned. They Mm -hmm. have marketing they have, you know, they're tech savvy, they have some systems understanding, they don't need to be an expert, but they do have some knowledge of this because of the way that they've been operating in their businesses. Just my initial reaction, especially having experience in like the yoga space and the spiritual space, embodied entrepreneur makes me feel like it's only for spiritual practitioners or more like healing modalities. And while I'm sure you would love clients like that. That's not your focus. So you answered it yourself. I, I I think embodied business, embodied entrepreneur, and inner workings are out of the running. I mean, I think you already know which one I'm leaning towards. <laughs> I do. I love the the idea of using leader. Um, so I think that you could choose CEO or leader. That's going to be a conversation about, and again, inside of my services, it would be more of a conversation of like, okay, let's go test this with your ideal clients with what resonates with them more. Now, because you are not necessarily exclusive to say Christian entrepreneurs, I think devoted leader may lean a little too heavily into that. I don't think that it's out of the running entirely, but just being aware that by putting the word devoted, you are calling in a primarily Christian audience. And so that's just a decision you would want to make. What are your thoughts so far as we narrowed, as we narrow? When it comes to like the spirituality piece, I do find that I attract like naturally, even with the way that I bring my faith forward in my marketing and in my messaging, I do find that I attract a combination of like people who are deep in their faith, particularly in the Christian faith. Um, But then also those who may not be deep in the faith in terms of the Christian faith, but they are deep in spiritual practices. Mm -hmm. And so they resonate with the relationship that I have with God and the way that I talk about God, even if they don't identify as a Christian. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Which one? <laughs> no, I. But I. I think it's it's important to my goal with you and with any clients is not to have you agree with me. It's right. to have you understand why you chose a name for your show or why you chose a topic or why you chose an episode outline because at the end of the day, it's your business. <laughs> like it's, it's you who you is attracting who, that ideal client. I so. do like leader. I do. I do like the idea of leader over CEO because ultimately I am speaking to thought leaders, like people who have unique thoughts around their industry. Like I think about even the clients that I've worked with, you know, whether they were, you know, sales coaches or some of them identified as embodiment coaches, they all have very unique perspectives on their industry and on their niche. And so they were leaders in their own right, even if they all did not identify as a CEO. Like I think about one of my clients, she, you know, practices Ayurveda and herbalism and permaculture. She would not identify as a CEO, but she's for sure a leader. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And she's devoted to, even if she, even though she doesn't identify as a Christian, she is devoted to her her industry and her skill set and her mission and the business that she's created and growing that. So I do like the idea of leading with leader. Yeah. And then I agree. I agree. I also think, again, obviously the listeners don't have all the context, but I also think that CEO is loaded with maybe just for me, but CEO may be loaded a little bit with that idea of like scale, 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 scale. A leader, a leader can just lead their household. A leader can can lead their community. A leader can lead a Fortune 500 company. And giving that flexibility to then also touch into the lifestyle and say, like, you get to choose the the degree of bigness that you want to occupy. So I love the word leader, and I won't I won't pick for you um, in terms of you can then change it to the harmonious leader, the congruent leader, the devoted leader. I want you to because I have a feeling that this is just something that you're going to be talking about a lot in your podcast is I want you to lean into the idea of how much you put values at the forefront. And it's not harmony for the sake of like, I want to relax and be harmonious. Not I, I do think that harmonious has a different context or a different connotation than easeful, but um, harmonious, I don't know, it's giving white linen <laughs> to me. It's giving white linen. And I say all these things, you're allowed to choose whatever word you want. As long as again, you're you're able to back it up. Congruent feels like the values piece. I don't know if congruent feels like a hard word. It, it feels masculine for sure. Yeah. Hmm. I know, right? <laughs> and and for those listening, I want you to recognize like this is part of the process. Like I don't I bring in the questions and I bring in the the strategy that I know. But it's not like I'm sitting here being like, it's the congruent leader and that's it. And I like bang my fist down. Like you're the face of your podcast at the end of the day. So I think we play. We don't have to make that decision right now. We can make that in inside of Issa Good Podcast. With leader, I do love leader. I want you to to think of words, sit with what is between congruent and harmonious and devoted. Yeah. I will say I had a... um. I had this experience with one client where we couldn't come up with a name. We just had too many ideas and not enough ideas. So what I did was we took the alphabet 
and I and we came up with a, a podcast title that came that started with each letter of the alphabet. Wow! And we came to her her podcast name, and the reason we do that again is because I want us to think of all the ideas, and then I want you to justify why Boss Babe Podcast isn't the one for you. I know, I know. I mean, I almost called it the Easeful Leader because. Like my program is called Easeful Launch. So that is like a more specific program. So I almost just called, and then the brand is called Embrace Ease. So I almost called it the Easeful Leader. But then I stared away from that because of all the reasons that we talked about with the word ease and what that has become. (laughs) And so harmony is not something that's being used widespread, but everyone understands what harmony means, mm-hmm. you know? And so same with devotion and same with congruency, but congruent does feel the most masculine out of them all. And so I like that devotion feels a little bit softer, but also still very strong mm-hmm. and harmonious. It's just a long word. This <laughs> mm. is a long word harmonious leader i remember even when i wrote it out i was like that's a really long word i just ca- i just counted out the syllables right <laughs> <laughs> i'm like uh counting on my fingers so again like i said we don't have to come to this conclusion on this call but i i want you to keep leader i want you to keep thinking what is whether you like harmonious whether you like devoted or if there's another word waiting for you mm-hmm. um, maybe you need to go through the alphabet and be like a yeah, the ambitious leader the i don't know don't make don't put me on the spot like this but we have c and d's we have congruent we have devoted and we already tried embodied so like we're we're going but i i really just like the fact of how much we're thinking about each of the words and how much we're thinking of not only does it feel good to us but it is calling in the right people not those who are looking to retire into loop i had to say but amazing uh Other quick things as we start to wrap up, this won't be the last time we do this, but the other thing is whatever cover art you do decide to have, I would just love to have your text bigger um, and in a font that is not as light. So even if this is your brand font, either put something behind it, make it bolder, and you're using a script font for your name, and it's so small that it's hard to read regardless. And then with a script font, it's really hard to read. And I mention this all the time. Cover art is about the size of a dime. So you want it to be quick to read at a glance. You can keep the photo that you have if you so choose, but also play again with what implicit message am I sending with each of the images in combination with the words that I decide to put on there because you can't have one without the other. And then I just, I want you to, where I'm going to start, I'm going to go back to where we were. Uh, I do want you to start editing a little bit. It doesn't have to be crazy. I mean, if you have me on the team, that's a whole other story. But if you are choosing to do your own editing, you don't have to edit every um and every space. But I do think that when you know that you are going to edit something, you are a little bit more free. Because if you said something in a way that you didn't love, you can just say, let me start that again. And you go back. And you actually find that you have a little bit more like ease, we'll use the word, as you as you get your topic out. Don't want you to be afraid of editing, feeling like too much pressure or feeling like suddenly now it's this big thing that I have to be perfect at. It 
can just start as simple and clean. On that note, a technical thing, make all of your episodes the same volume. Whatever you use to edit, whether that is Audacity, whether that is um, even iMovie if you so choose, wherever um, I use Audition, there's a way to set the the loudness. It'll say match loudness so that all of your episodes are the same volume because that's really, if someone's listening to multiple episodes back to back to back, it's really distracting if it's uh, one is loud and one is soft and one is loud and one is soft. Uh, we lose your message that way. So those are some technical notes. I'm trying to think if I have any other technical notes, but as I think about that, do you have any questions? No, this was really good. I mean, we literally covered all of the bases pretty much. Some of the things that we didn't cover, which I think are, I mean, I think they're pretty standard. Maybe they're not, which are like, you know, call to actions and show notes and those sorts of things. But I think that as long like focusing along with having a question, answering a question and keeping the call to actions focused on what I'm offering in that season, that feels I think that was like pretty congruent with what you were sharing before. Mm. Uh, that re- that did remind me the show notes. So you were putting your podcast description at the beginning of each of your show notes starting after episode two. So you can put your podcast description in your show notes, but at the bottom, because when I'm scrolling through your podcast feed on Apple or on Spotify, I want to see the first few sentences that let me know why do I want to listen to this episode? And if I'm just seeing your podcast description, I'm not going to click and go through the trouble of going into in this episode we describe, which you do have, just switch the order of them. And you can be more, even more direct with your calls to action in your show notes. I want to pull one up. And I do think that that's going to naturally come with a more focused episode. Yeah, um, I think so too. Yeah, but instead of calling it resources, um, you have like your calls to action. You have send me a voice message, tag us in your Instagram stories, connect with me on Instagram, do a direct call to action that says like, if you enjoyed what you heard in this episode and would like a call related to X, Y, and Z, book it here or learn more and you can link to a sales page. But just keeping that, don't make them work for it. People are lazy. Right. Exactly. No, that feels good. And then I guess my last question, and this can probably still tie into cover art. How do you feel about text-based cover art where it's just like text versus text on an image, like on the person's face? Mm. I highly encourage including your face on your podcast because you are running a business where people are primarily working with you in some sort of one-to-one capacity, even if it's a group program, they are interacting with your face, your voice, your unique knowledge. So I love, I love that. I think it's, uh, it speeds up the way that they feel that connection to you. Voice is great, but like voice and then like a face that's smiling and you're like, oh my God, that's my friend. I think it, it really helps. It also stands out more. Uh, we, it's similar to why we say like on Instagram, your profile should be a picture instead of a text based thing is that we connect with people, not logos. And so if someone is typing in launch systems into their podcast platform and going on search and they get five podcasts that have just text on screen and it's blue because launch podcasts tend to be blue. And then they instead see someone with a face and it says, whatever word you choose leader, that might be more attractive to the type of person that you're calling in. 
Got it. That was good. All right. Again, so many more questions are going to pop up. I really, really appreciate you being willing to share this uh, publicly. I know that this not only has helped you, but so many people listening. And yeah, thank you again. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was fun. Thank you so much for joining us on this audit. I'm so grateful to Zakia for allowing us to share this publicly so all of you can learn as well. If you already have a podcast and want to join me for hands-off production so that you can have your strategy and editing taken care of, this is super similar to what we would do in our first session. We would dive into what is the main goal you have for your show? What can we take from what you've already been doing and how can we really improve it so that you can turn listeners into buyers? Again, I encourage you to head to the show notes to learn more about that and I will see you next week. Want to get even more visible? Go to the show notes and sign up for the email list. Each week, I'll be sharing strategies with you just like the ones you heard today on how you can really share your impact. I'll see you there and I'll see you next week.